Hello, everyone. I'm Justin Oliveris. And I'm Carrie Clements. We are the co-hosts of Food Service for Thought. Not sure how you got here, but we are so glad that you did. Food Service for Thought is a podcast that shares the thoughts and insights from professionals in all areas of the food service industry to transparently unite and strengthen the business of serving food to the public, no matter where they are. We will be talking to food service professionals like chefs, restaurant owners, nutritionists, dietitians, caterers, pastry chefs, kitchen designers, restaurant interior designers, farmers, food manufacturers, restaurant equipment manufacturers, and pretty much anyone who might have anything to do with the food that you eat. So, if you love food, if you are curious about all aspects of the food service and hospitality industry and want to be sure there are always great places to enjoy food, this is your kind of podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Food Service for Thought podcast. We are the FH&W media team. I am Justin. And I'm Carrie. And we are here today uh, talking with a wonderful guest, someone who has lived quite the interesting life, uh, both personally and professionally. And his name is John Lara, and he is with Frisco ISD. Hello, John. Hello. Hello, Justin. Thank you so much for being here and taking time. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I look forward to uh, you know sharing my experiences with uh, with your team. Absolutely. So uh, we wanted to get started here. I thought an interesting uh, way to maybe begin quickly is um, if we could ask you on the front end just to sort of give us a brief overview of kind of your professional career and, you know, sort of an, uh, uh, just an overview of it. Uh, I started early in my career at the age of 15 working at a Mexican restaurant where I learned just the basic food cooking. And then I, um, after high school, I joined the Navy and uh, built my craft working on uh, numerous, uh, you know, cooking in numerous uh, ships and shore commands. Spent 24 years in the Navy. Um, in the Navy, gave me the opportunity to serve also at the White House as the executive chef. Um, as well, um, in uh, 2009, I retired from the Navy and uh, was uh, selected to go work for the president and the first family after their, their term at the White House and their private residence in Dallas and Crawford, Texas. Um, after about a year of doing that, I had to um, balance quality of life with uh, work. So I went to work for the school districts. So this is where I'm at now, working at uh, Frisco Independent School District. That's so, it. as we said, a very boring and mundane career. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing exciting. No. <laughs> Nothing exciting. All right, great. So, I, I don't want to skip past that, Justin. <laughs> the work. So, sure. so from the Navy, while you were in the Navy, you worked at the White House. Which is fascinating, and then you worked for the president and the first lady. So I mean, I'm just thinking pressure, pressure, pressure. I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm guessing you know, go, hey, grilled cheese sandwiches, okay with you guys tonight? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, some days it was uh, that simple, you know. Some days it was that simple, and then other days were a little bit more uh, detailed and uh, more culinary art, uh, you know, more entailed as far as what the first family wanted to eat. Uh, President himself was a very simple kind of person, but uh, when we catered uh, to guests and, uh, you know, we were there to meet the demand. So, can you, can you take us through how you got started? I know you mentioned before that you, you started working at a Mexican restaurant uh, at around 15, and uh, maybe that was uh, of choice, maybe you just needed a job, but can you sort of talk us about why you went the direction of culinary uh, what what drove you from that standpoint as far as the food aspect and, and wanting to follow that career path specifically? Well, it, just, it started with a simple conversation of a good friend of mine uh, in high school. 
and he said, hey, there's a restaurant that's hiring uh, dishwashers. And uh, so together we tag teamed that and we went over to the restaurant and applied. Um, and, um, you know, my, my friend Randy had expressed that he had experience running a dish machine. Uh, so the, um, the owner kind of smiled and laughed and he goes, well, let me take you to the back and I'll, and I'll show you guys how to run the dish machine. Uh, little did I know there was just one deep sink, and, uh, no dish machine, and uh, so um, after that initial introduction, Randy, I never did see Randy again. <laughs> he gone. And uh, so uh, the uh, the restaurant was about three miles away from my home, and I used to walk there and walk back, and uh, I started washing dishes and literally, uh, you know, busting tables, and uh, eventually... Um, Toward my junior senior year, I got more involved in the kitchen, and uh, Miss La Fuentes, which is the name of the restaurant in Austin, Texas, uh, she was the owner and also the cook, you know, the chef there. And uh, so she's about eighty years old and uh, full of knowledge. So um, anytime I could go in the kitchen and help her out, prep, cut lettuce, do the guacamole, you know, whatever it took, uh, I would take advantage of that. And and that's been, I guess, the uh, the um, the foundation. Uh, to where I'm at now, or just the opportunity to learn. Uh, so uh, by my senior year in high school, I was already running a kitchen, doing a lot of cooking, expediting, uh, and learning the uh, know the business of how the kitchen operation works. And I learned that you know through uh, just getting a mentoring through uh, Miss La Fuentes, her son, her daughters, and just kind of learning the whole sanitation aspect, preparing meals, you know, customer service, um, and just taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, at the age of 18, after high school, I decided to join the Navy. I wasn't really any plans for college or anything. So I joined the Navy, and um, in the Navy, uh, because cooking came first, I asked, hey, can I be a cook? And uh, it started that way, back to washing dishes <laughs> and uh, working with um, the cooks on the Navy, in the Navy, and then just building my craft. And uh, next thing you know, it, at eight years, I was serving on aircraft carriers, battleships, Going to shore base command, uh, being uh, going to advanced culinary schools. Can can you walk us through? So that to me that seems amazing to be on a ship and be cooking on a ship. So do you do you have a good story for us of uh, of being on the ship and maybe um, maybe struggling to, to keep uh, to keep your stomach under control or uh, the boat rocking and, and what that was like to cook in, in a high pressure situation or, or any, anything like that. Well, uh, one, one of my first ships was you know was, was serving on the battleship uh, USS Missouri, and uh, so those uh, you know right during the Persian Gulf War, and uh, so those small ships you know they're not small they're big, um, however they they can can uh, ship to the left to the right and you know you you tend to get seasick, um, <laughs> and you can lose. Uh, you know, about a good 90% of the crew when those days come, you know, um, going across the pond or, you know, across the Atlantic or the Pacific Ocean. Uh, however, you know, you kind of learn to adapt to it. Um, I tend to, uh, went from the battleship to an aircraft carrier. So I definitely like the aircraft carriers because of the <laughs> volume, the volume. And you have so many cooks and you can go, uh, you know, so many places from the cruise uh, mess to the private messes, and uh, so there is where I excelled um, as a as a as a cook and as also as a leader because uh, I picked up rank pretty quick uh, through advancement and recognitions, awards, 
uh, those, those are the key things to get you advanced in the military. And when you advance, the um, opportunities increases to go uh, where you want to go. Uh, you get recognized by captains and admirals, and uh, that was a big part of uh, how I got to the White House. I got my foot on the door at the White House and get selected to serve at the White House. Um, when I uh, was selected, uh, somebody, had, one of the warrant officers who was the, you know, kind of our director in food services, um, he came up and he says, hey, uh, you know, you ever want, uh, want to cook at the White House? And I'm like, what, what would I want to do at the White House? Why would I want to do that? You know, I was pretty much in my head, my goal was to be a cooking instructor for the Navy, oh, cool. uh, which was in San Antonio, Texas that at that either. point. Yeah. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, the military has a quite a... Uh, array of, of uh, institutions where they teach advanced culinary, um, whether you're in the Army or the Marines or the Navy, and they're, uh, they got really skilled uh, instructors out there so you can build your craft from, you know, ice carvings to uh, call it five-star cuisines uh, to garnishing, uh, and, and that's something that I picked up along the way, you know, working in these private quarters for captains and admirals uh, and working with the, um, you know, my, my mentors who had that experience, you know. Uh, the Navy is very diverse, and you get uh, people uh, from all over the world, you know, and they all have their individual culinary talents, and uh, you kind of, you know, you kind of pick up on that kind of stuff and, and put it in your bag of tricks, and you learn from that. Um, so my selection to the, to the White House was very, um, again, I, I had turned it down initially because I wanted to be a, an instructor, <laughs> And I just didn't know what what took place at the White House. What did the Navy cooks do in the White House? But little did I know, um, you know, my warrant officer, uh, Mr. De Guzman, he came up and he said, hey, I can't believe you, you would do that. <laughs> and he says, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about my story. And he did, and I kind of learned. He says, and I said, well, is that opportunity still permit? Is that, you know, he said, yeah. The recruiter's getting ready to leave uh, this afternoon. So I need you, <laughs> you know. So I need you at the hotel. Chop, chop. chop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, pardon. Oh, there you go. That wow. was good. Yep. <laughs> Somebody, Somebody take her mic away. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I just showed up at the hotel, and uh, Tony Powell, who was a recruiter, who was also a master chief in the Navy and uh, director of, uh, at the White House, he interviewed me, and um, we got into talking, and he said, you know, the warrant officer speaks highly of you, and he think you would do very well at the White House. So I started asking questions. Well, what do we do? And he goes, well, you cook. We have a West Wing, what they call Navy mess in the West Wing. And the West Wing used to be more of a recreation uh, for the president and the first families back, you know, 1951 when Theodore Roosevelt used to be in office. And uh, when they brought the administration in, they decided to turn the West Wing into more uh, working offices for the staff. And so in the basement, they have, uh, they built a kitchen. And this is how the Navy mess transpired because uh, they used to uh, use the, um, the services from the Navy off the USS Sequoia uh, off the Potomac River. So it's a big, long tradition that's been in place for many years. And only Navy cooks, culinarians, are allowed to serve in, in that capacity at the Navy mess. We do about 300 covers during lunch. Uh, it's three, like yeah, yeah, it's a 300. It's, you know, it's a three-course <laughs> meal, plus we do... Uh, catering in-house 1600 acres there um and uh, we uh you know we also support the president in his travels you know we do uh, the food service security for the president so there's always a navy cook or a navy mess specialist or culinarian uh with the president 
I had no idea. And I'm so happy that we're doing this today. Um, it's Father's Day. My dad served in the Navy. And so I'll get to chat with him about this. Um, he didn't always talk about, you know, his, his time in the service. So that'll be something cool for us to talk about. I'm sure he ate well. So uh, so at the White House, um, you said you had there's a kitchen there in the West Wing, and that's where you primarily... Uh, worked uh, and or someone from you or your staff uh, traveled with the president. So that, that's amazing. So I, I, I have to believe you have a million stories that are great about your time in the White House. Is there one or two that really sticks out to you that you can share with us that was maybe a funny moment or maybe you actually had a chance to interact with the president and you were nervous or maybe some, something uh, in your downtime you and your colleagues would, would mess around or have a cooking competition or anything like that, any kind of fun stories you can share with us about your time at the White House? Oh, yeah, I want a funny one. <laughs> so, uh, again, uh, the opportunity to have served at the White House uh, came with uh, a lot of honor and prestige. You know, it was very... I was always humbled to come to work uh, because of the capacity that we served. The highlights for me was uh, just those one-on-ones uh, and the time I got to share with them. On, when I was uh, recruited to be his personal chef after retirement from the Navy, uh, we spent a lot of time in Crawford, Texas. Um, and uh, sometimes, you know, it could go. we can go from uh, just preparing a nice burger on the grill, which is one of his favorites, uh, to doing fish tacos. He would go fishing on the pond and we would make fish tacos and homemade tortillas and all the condiments, guacamole, salsa, uh, to a basic uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, <laughs> because this is how, I mean, this is how it was. Hey, John, what are, what are you doing this weekend? I said, well, the boys have a, a baseball game and they got the three boys, you know. He goes, and he's a big baseball fan. He goes, you know what? Just leave the peanut butter and jelly on the table and some bread and, and go and be with your family. And, you know, that's wonderful. That's great to hear. And, you know, and that's the kind of person he was. Uh, but uh, I guess my most uh, memorable uh, events, you know, besides the cooking and interfacing with President Day in and Day out with the family, first family, was just uh, the, the fun times that we had. Um, and one of those times was usually chasing after the dogs, you know, Barney and Beasley. And, <laughs> and uh, the president's a really outdoor kind of person. And um, the dogs love to change those armadillos in uh, Crawford, Texas. And the president, uh, you know, uh, in, in one event, the president was yelling my name, and I came out there, and uh, Barney, the bigger dog, had the armadillo from the tail, you know. <laughs> and uh, so the armadillo was kind of doing its noise, this weird noise, and I've never touched an armadillo. And the president was like, John, grab the armadillo. And I'm like, sir, I'm not grabbing the armadillo. Just kind of back up. I think we went at it for about five or ten minutes. I'm not touching the armadillo. He goes, well, grab the dog. I said, well, I'm not. Barney bites, you know. So finally he grabbed, uh, he grabbed the armadillo. We're Secret Service in all this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, they're, they're, they're laughing in the background, you know. But uh, call it, uh, the funny thing is once we got hold of the armadillo, Beastie came, the other terrier, and bit the head. So the armadillo, you know, both dogs are at one end, one in one, one end and the other one in one end. And the president's like, John, grab the armadillo. You know, I'm like, I'm not grabbing the armadillo. So, we, you know, we were pushing the dogs away. And uh, at the end of the day, the president wound up grabbing the armadillo from the head and, and, and moving it and rolling it down the, the, the grass and getting the dogs separated. Uh, but it was like, you know, he kept saying, John, why didn't you just grab the armadillo? It's not going to do anything to you. And... You know, I just like, no, sir, you know, I'm not touching that armadillo. And it's just it's the little things like that, that that we, you know, we talked about and, and we shared. And uh, I think we still laugh at those things. But. I, I think 
I love the uh, two things. I love that story. I love the idea of what'd you do today, John? Uh, well, in between cooking for the president, I wrestled an armadillo <laughs> away from their dogs. I think that's great. And I also love the fact that you said sometimes the go-to was a peanut butter and jelly. And I think that's funny. Yeah, that was... The height of culinary pro- professionalism, cooking for the White House. It's like, <laughs> here's a PB&J on white. Question. Chunky or creamy peanut butter? Oh, creamy. Creamy? Oh, really? <laughs> I, I'd have pictured it chunky. I would have as well. Chunky, yeah. All right, fair enough. Was, was, there, a, was there a go-to comfort food that you were asked to cook um, either either on site at the at the White House or, or after? You said you said PB&J sometimes. And oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, his favorites were, you know, usually uh, fish tacos, but uh, he loved, uh, you know, scampi shrimp pasta. Uh, we try to, you know, we also, you know, very conscientious about him gaining any weight and stuff like that. So yeah. We, we also yeah, he's a very healthy work. man, yeah, isn't very he? healthy. Works out three times a day. You yeah. Know, very, uh, so I'm always, uh, you know, uh, you know, mixing in vegetables and, and but like lots of shrimp, pasta, uh, burgers, comfort food, you know, enchiladas. Um, not very picky with uh, his selection, you know. And, sure. Uh, and then for you, was when you were at your time in the White House, was there um, uh, was there any times that you had to cook something that was really maybe unusual to you, or something? Maybe you had someone from overseas or in another country visiting the White House, that, or members of their staff, and you were sort of okay. I got to step outside my my comfort zone culinarily to serve someone, you know, their their food here. Have you had, have you had to do that at all? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of uh, opportunities for me to show my uh, culinary talent because I had a lot of experience. Uh, you know, I got to work closely with Robert Irvine for two years at the White House, who was the, uh, you know, uh, celebrity chef. Yeah, Food Network. Yes, Food Network. You know, he brought a different uh, uh, perspective to culinary, you know, from the in- industry side and he managed a lot of casinos, restaurants. Uh, so I got to collaborate with him. We had him quite often at the White House as a, as a guest visitor, uh, but he also worked with us on, on, on a personal, you know, how to build our crap and how to manage our food costs and so forth. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there was a lot of times when we would do Chateaubriand and, you know, shrimp and, you know, uh, just different styles. Uh, you know, having traveled around the world with the president, uh, you kind of pick up these little different techniques, uh, uh, working with the, the Spanish, and because a lot of the meals are prepared at the embassies, palaces, and uh, call it, uh, and you kind of, you know, kind of try to copy that and learn that skill level, um, and also doing a lot of research. Um, so that was something different that I, I bought um, to the table when I came to work uh, in their private residence, and they, you know, I comments came across saying, hey, we know, we know the little... Um, Restaurant at Preston Hollow, you know, so um, here in Dallas. So, uh, but uh, yeah, you had definitely uh, quite, uh, you know, doing different entrees, also puku, uh, different things like that. Mm. That's got to be amazing that how, how much that that travel informed your your skill set and grew it from being able to have exposure to you said, all those different types of food, different cooking sure. techniques that, you know, maybe you knew of but didn't get a chance to really mess around with a lot. Uh, and then I do get that, you know, just to say, John, what's your, uh, what's your flair? What's your favorite, you know? And I, being from Texas and, and then Spanish and Mexican descent, um, I feel that, you know, I use my Texas flair because um, uh, I lived also in Japan. I lived in Hawaii. And so I'll do something like uh, huli huli chicken with a Japanese slaw, and uh, mm-hmm. pineapple pico de gallo, you know, and you have uh, different. Well, thanks for cooking us lunch. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. You know, so you have different, a lot of color, a lot of flavors, a hot and cold mixture, and you know, uh, and people say, "Hey, John, do you cook like this way at home?" And I say, "Yeah, I do." Every time I 
I cook. I, I, I put a flair to it, and, and we, like, you know, so I tend to stay at home and cook a lot. And I'm a, big, I'm a big barbecue kind of person, so I like to smoke uh, briskets and, and uh, sausage and uh, chicken and pork and stuff like that. So I'm a big grill guy. That's great. So, so John, uh, I, I we'll talk about Frisco a little bit, too. Sure. Although, I, I think I could talk about... I'm sure you have a lot of stories. Oh yeah, yeah. So oh, I, yeah, I could talk about that for the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but I do want to talk about Frisco ISD and maybe not just pr- specific to Frisco ISD, but but school districts in general, like we were talking about before we started uh, recording. But but I think we should let everybody know if you could just kind of explain what you do for Frisco ISD. What is your job? So I uh, I was hired uh, back in July uh, 2017, and I came in to. Uh, uh, take the role of the operations coordinator. Uh, so I'm responsible for overseeing the operation. Uh, there's two of us. There's two operation coordinators in in, uh, in our department, and we're responsible for the 70 now 70 schools uh, in in our area. And uh, so uh, we have 10 high schools. We'll have uh, 17 middle schools, and the rest are elementary schools. Um, so this year alone, we're going to open up a high school, a middle school, and two new elementaries. Um, so from staffing to menu, uh, we do have a team of, of nutritionists and menu developers uh, along with culinary trainers that help us, that aid us in, in developing these new different menus, uh, different ideas. Uh, in this kind of business, you got to be well business-oriented. Um, so uh, my, uh, my degree and uh, my MBA degree in business um, you know, with the concentration in human resources, is it's a big tool for me to use my experience and my education to do my job day in and day out. Because um, uh, at the end of the day, we're looking at, you know, diff- different uh, from a business perspective. Uh, we're looking at, you know, the, the different food trends, uh, the marketing strategy, you know, applying social media to what we do, communicating with the parents, uh, bringing that skill level in the kitchens to meet the new menu requirements and also new flavor profiles. Um, again, because we're here for the students and uh, the, the students are, you know, learning from the, the different foods out there, not just from the school, but from out there when they go out there to the mall or they go to their favorite restaurant. And and that's what we're trying to um, entertain the students to, to these new, you know, to match it up to, you know, so when they come to lunch, they can say, hey, I can get my favorite salad or I can get my favorite vegetable and fruits. So, you know, that's that's our, our goal there. So, John, uh, you mentioned food trends and social media and favor, flavor profiles, which sounds to me like you're really not only taking in feeding the kids but giving them an experience at, at the cafeteria. So it's not just getting them nutritious food, which I know is challenging, and I hope we get to talk about that, but but also for the, you know, you consider them customers. The students are your customers. How, how, how does that play into your approach and operations? Well, and that's the key. Uh, the students, is, it's our customer. And I kind of got away from the whole customer service concept and just applied. And this is how I train the staff is customer appreciation. And so, you know, when I talk about customers, I talk more about customer appreciation and and how to serve the students. Uh, Today's, um, you know, uh, school has evolved in in many ways um, and it's so diverse with so many students 
uh, that we try to um, that we try to develop the menu because uh, you know we want to ma- our, our goal is to maximize participation and on the healthy side we also want to you know maximize fresh fruits and vegetables um, so with that you know we we um, you know have to uh, train our staff to cook the vegetables properly cut them properly because uh, students like to see the crinkle cuts the julienne so in in this in this sense we're entertain uh, we're uh, introducing new culinary terms uh, culinary skills to staff um, and and they're and, and they're learning something level they're building their their, their craft in the kitchens uh, and then it's, it's it's you know and they really do appreciate you know especially uh, we have a, a lot of staff members that didn't finish high school and, and they're learning uh, a, a skill. Uh, they're learning, um, you know, how to properly landscape the food to make it look attractive, applying different colors, uh, knowing how to cook al dente. Uh, you know, so all those, all those, you know, uh, trainings, you know, uh, they do pay off. I've introduced when I was over, I was at Allen ISD for eight years. And uh, we brought in and we, we did some speed scratch cooking, um, like a rice pilaf. And when you're making your broth and you're, and you're uh, roasting your rice with the onions, because when you get to roast those, you bring out the natural proteins and sugars of the onion, and then you create a flavor. Uh, but showing the method of, you know, of, of frying your rice, adding your onions, adding your stock, you know, and then giving them the options to either throw in a steamer or cook it in the oven or cook it on a stovetop. You know, gives it. Uh, you know, gives them a different um, opportunity to apply different uh, to maximize their equipment. First of all, and also learn different applications or methods of cooking, uh, from braising to roasting to all, all that kind of cooking styles. Instead of just panning up and throwing it in the oven, take it out. You know, and serve it. So. So, Justin. Yes. Well, do you have another question for John? Uh, no, thanks for being here, John. Okay. <laughs> 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 yes. So, so can you walk us through a little bit on um, the the school side? What goes into um, pl- planning a menu? And you don't. I understand you might not be aware of all the super specifics with calorie counts and stuff like that. But can you kind of share with our audience? the complexities that go into building a menu that people might not realize how involved it is to actually build an, uh, a menu that's approved, that's uh, within guidelines, and, and also make it, as you were mentioning before, using techniques to actually make it taste good. And, and that's the key, and, and this and the business uh, in the school lunch program today uh, is that, you know, when you're recruiting, you know, um, we're trying to recruit the skill level. So we have a nutrition team. Um, we have a person that just purchasing that, that deals with commodity items that works with brokers, um, and also we have a new uh, culinary team of, uh, of past uh, experienced chefs that help us develop and standardize these recipes. And then, of course, you have all we have area managers. We have eight area managers, and there's ten of us in operations um, that are all there to provide our knowledge and skill level uh, to recipe development as well. So, it's, it's a, so it's a team effort. There's definitely no solo acts. Uh, so definitely, uh, you know, this is a, this has been a growing experience for me to be able um, to um, give my feedback and listen to every everybody else's feedback uh, to be able to produce this working recipe. Um, and we do we do a lot of taste testing. Uh, once we, we figure out what we want to do, uh, what kind of product we're moving, uh, we do uh, testing with the students, and that's very key because that you're you know again you're you're coming to the customer and you're saying hey what do you think? 
Um, so you definitely don't want to serve something or introduce something that the kids do not want to eat or don't like it. Uh, so we, we've done uh, studies and uh, taste testing. We also did uh, kind of like a uh, food waste management test to see how much food kids are taking from the salad bar. Uh, one of the things that we've done, and uh, I introduced this, introduced this in, in Allen, uh, but uh, also um, Frisco obviously adopt this, but we have uh, self-serve salad bars. And again, we this is our opportunity to maximize fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, so um, again, the uh, I mean the it's it's very complex operation um, when it comes to developing a menu because uh, you got to look at the cost, you know, and um, also whether the school is in the school lunch program or not. That could be challenging as well. Um, <clears throat> so. For us, uh, as much as, you know, we look at profit, you know, because it's really not really a profit line, but we looked at just trying to maximize, um, call it participation, and, and, and be able to, um, you know, I have this really simple uh, thinking process. And I always introduce, I said, when you're, when you're going down and you got your family in the vehicle, and uh, I have three boys, and, and you know, and you're out there and hitting stores and traveling or whatever. And you ask your family, "What do you want to eat? What's the first thing that comes in their head?" You know, what what is the first thing that comes in your head? You know, it's you know, I know my family would say chicken, you know, so Chick Fil A, you know, and uh, and that's the same thing at home. You know, what do you guys want to eat? Uh, do something, you know chicken dad you know so chicken cordon bleu you know different things mm-hmm. uh and then the next one is always like burger or pizza right 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 and you know i think certain things like that don't change you know um especially when it comes to lunch uh so when you offer those when you find something that's uh competitive you know as far as a chicken tender and the, the, the right burger or you know, we don't we we did away with the fryers. You know, those have been gone for a while, and right. yeah, there's still some schools that there's there's still they still have them in uh, in, in some districts uh, that are not in the program. However, you know, we're looking at you know um, red potatoes with rosemary, and you know waffle sweet potato fries, and uh, you know uh, uh, different styles of uh, of um, call it carbohydrates, pastas. And again, you know, we do a pasta florentine with different vegetables and spinach. And so we're able to incorporate fresh vegetables uh, with the salad. Uh, so, again, it's a, it's, it's, it's a collaborative effort, uh, nutrition team, operations team, culinary team. Um, and then we introduce it and, and have to the students do taste testing and uh, call it um, also do some studies on, on food waste management. With students... Uh, since you've been in school schools now for a long time, can you talk a little bit about what you've noticed uh, the change in students' I don't know, palate or taste or preference on nutrition? Because I'm not I'm only 37, but I remember being in high school, middle school, and it was sort of you got what you got. You know, and Tuesday was Shepherd's Pie Day, and Friday was Pizza Day, and that was sort of it. And so, can you talk a little bit about how you've noticed students changing, and, and how you've had to try to keep up to meet meet those those needs? So, and uh, and uh, I did have an experience uh, working with, uh, and actually, uh, community was talking to a fifth grade uh, group, um, and talking about uh, you know what can we bring uh, to the table as far as uh, food preference. Uh, interestingly, I, I found out a little bit more than what I wanted to know, 
and how uh, these these uh, fifth grade students were very um, familiar with the you know rosemary and thyme, and they're talking about different flavor profiles and having uh, you know those. Um, you know, I, I thought they would be saying more, hey, can you have some buffalo sauce or can you have some ranch barbecue <laughs> sauce? But instead, they were talking about the actual, you know, fresh ingredients, you know, fresh spices and also cooking al dente. And, you know, I, I had my pasta and it was uh, all mushy. And can you guys cook it al dente, you know? So, um, you know, they're definitely getting educated, uh, whether it's through TV, food channel or going to their favorite restaurants. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think in the culinary world right now, or, um, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, people are aware of what they're eating. And, uh, you know, you can see it in, in the students. Uh, and, they, and they go through and they make their selections and they're very kind of, you know. So when we do uh, a lot of our, our uh, concepts, it's build your own, build your own pasta, build your own baked potato. Uh, and we offered a variety of proteins, a uh, uh, variety of starches, and, and, and also uh, vegetables and sauces. So those are the favorites. Those are the favorites. I love that. Yeah. I love that you can give people choices. And oh, yeah. you can, you know, if I'm a student and I go in, not only can I make my own pasta every day of the week and be different, but I don't have to have pasta every day. I can have pasta one day, salad one day, build oh, yeah. my own sandwich one day, and all that can be different every time. I, I love that. Yeah, uh, our burrito line is another favorite because you can build your own burrito, build your own nacho, build your own quesadilla, and you know you give the the different you know black beans, corn relish, you know uh, salsas, and uh, we make our salsas from scratch. And um, so we're also introducing you know chicken fajita, you know taco meat, and I mean it's just a a big selection for the students to kind of build their own. Let, let's not have a chef on before lunch next time. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what time, any, you know, whatever time you're listening to this, we're doing this right before lunch, and uh, luckily the microphones aren't picking up my, my gurgly stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, John, uh, social media I, I, is, is a cool new thing in, in nutrition programs, and you mentioned earlier that... Um, FISD is 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 also on social media, and I just looked up, and uh, there was a post from an hour ago. By the way, everybody, their Twitter handle is FISD Cafe, so Frisco ISD Cafe. Um, they're at a, a nutrition. Somebody's at a nutrition uh, summit right now. So. Yeah, Texan. Uh, uh, Tassin is next week is coming up, and then we have SNA coming in in July. Right, mm-hmm. right, and somebody's at, at at an event today. It seems like uh, up in uh, they have the directors conference this today. Okay, up in Austin. Okay, that's and uh, so uh, they, that that might be the, the the situation there. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, I like that they're posting that. Keep yeah. everybody and and that's key uh, uh, when we have promotions, and uh, that's something we did differently this year. Um, and we just had all kinds of promotions uh, to bring part- to max participation in, in breakfast, our smoothie bars, um, you know, just a lunch program. Um, and, you know, when we put out these uh, promotions, uh, you know, we uh, get everybody involved from PTA to uh, principals, uh, our culinary teams. And so we're all on board when we have these promotions and we have competitions between the cafe uh, supervisors who can bring uh, the more sales or, or participation, increase of participation. And, you know, so we recognize that and that's always posted on, uh, call it on, on our social media, uh, uh, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that will just continue to grow as mm-hmm. well. And I, I want to tell everybody, when you said about TASN and SNA, 
TASSEN is the Texas Association of Student Nutrition, and SNA is the Student Nutrition Association. And SNA is a national organization, um, and, and TASSEN is Texas-based. It's quite large, and next week is uh, our conference in San Antonio. San Antonio. And then um, next month, it's actually in Vegas, and that's a huge way uh, both of those shows are, are great ways for you to find out what food manufacturers have been working on and what food equipment and supply updates have been made as well so like we have many factories um, we're, we're exhibiting at Tassin and then we have many factories at, at SNA and Justin actually going to SNA with some of our, our colleagues yep yeah, I'll be at both actually so I'm, I'm excited for that that's right and I should know that that's okay on account of we've done planning together uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so so what do you find useful about those events? Well, it's important for us to, we have a big team going up to Tassin uh, next week and our cafe supervisors and trainers um, and some of, our coordina- uh, some of our area managers are going as well as coordinators. Uh, so anytime we can take advantage of uh, these uh, food shows and these conferences, uh, we definitely support our team, send them out there to get educated and find, you know, benchmark network find new trends in food service um and also you know i mean we would love to send everybody to sna uh but you know it's it's always a budget thing to look at but uh there's a big group of us going to sna in las vegas and uh we have been looking at the schedule making up itineraries for each of our coordinators to uh to you know uh, go to the trainings and also uh, experience some of the uh the, the food booths there and the equipment booths yeah well, I, I, you know, I applaud Frisco ISD for giving you guys that resource because there's no other real way to learn that much information in such a short period of time, which clearly you're taking back to the kids to feed them n- nutritious meals. And, and, and we, you know, for, for a lot of your students, breakfast or lunch with you guys, that's that's it. They may not eat at night. And, and that's the, the biggest thing there. Um, we uh, this year we uh, worked uh, we bridged a, a working um, um, kind of collaborated with a, a place called Minnie's uh, Pantry and it's a uh, it's in Plano and it's a you know we we you know you'd be surprised how many families out there that are struggling don't know about you know free and reduce and the school lunch program and what we can do for you uh, so we're there. Uh, to collaborate, to uh, to work with the uh, families, and also educate them on healthy eating habits, and also uh, communicate with them about the program and the benefits, you know, and show them how to fill out an application uh, correctly so we can process it. And and that's sometimes is our biggest challenge because at the end of the day, you know, um, we our our job is to feed the students. Um, you know, I had a simple. Uh, you know, saying in the Navy, you know, feed the sailors, and here, just feed the students. You know, that's that's what we're here for. You know, so uh, that's just my philosophy, and and what I do day in day out is, you know, I'm here to feed the students. That's great. So, so since you have a microphone uh, in front of you, if you had the audience of parents, if all the parents of Frisco ISD are listening to this, and hopefully they are, uh, and you had you wanted to share something with them that they might not realize, or that they might not be aware of. Um, and you just mentioned something about not you know, filling out the application correctly, free reduce, and all that. Is there something you'd like to share with the parents and say, hey, you might not realize this, but? Um, we, we're here to serve you. You know, we're here um, 
to uh, to provide for the students, to serve the students, and if there's any questions, we have the resources uh, to to answer those questions, um, and uh, the the. You know, for them to understand and you know um, to to the the process um, and and menu. If there's a for example, if they have a child and maybe they pack their lunch because maybe the child has an allergen. Well, we we can work with that child and we do that with our nutrition team and we can build uh, uh, an entree for them specifically. And we know, I mean, our cafe. One thing I'm really proud of is that our cafe supervisors have a really one-on-one with every student. And they call it, and they know their students, uh, and you know they have that loyalty, uh, and they build that friendship with the students. And then you know any anything the student needs, where they we can we can accommodate. So, so if a student does have a, a food allergy, like a, a nut allergy, for example, as we're all just munching on some almonds, um, if someone has a nut allergy, they can actually they can actually notify the cafeteria person, a uh, manager, mm-hmm. and then that manager can work with their team. To build a menu that is free of sure, that. yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, take that and uh, pr- uh, get the information and find out what their uh, the students allergic to and give it to our nutrition team and they can build it and and build uh, the the menu uh, for them uh, and so and you know again our, our biggest uh, this year is is being able to collaborate or have uh, have access to the PTA meetings and be able to talk and we've done more of it now you That's know great. we've done more of it now because uh, uh, you know we're there to uh, uh, provide a a service, or we're there for the for the student, and and, uh, and I and that's something that's you know very rewarding when you can accommodate uh, the student. Uh, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that because John, you know, I have limited memory of the PTA. I do. It was um, probably didn't involve. I know for a fact it didn't involve the child nutrition program. So how are you guys working with the PTA, which is a you know a, the parent teacher association? Mm-hmm. How how do y'all? Well, it's uh, we sat down with the chairman of the PTA and just kind of just let her know, hey, we're here. Uh, if you need anything from us, because also we want to be able to have the opportunity not just educate the students but the parents. And uh, for one, for example, a lot of parents didn't realize that uh, if you're free and reduced or you pay for your entree, that uh, you know we have unlimited fresh fruits and vegetables, so they can come back to the salad bar as many times as they want, you know. Um, and and so we kind of that's something different we do there at Frisco compared to other districts. That's amazing. That is unlimited. Yeah. So Justin and I are heading to Salada for lunch to kind of go over mm-hmm. a few things. Do we get unlimited at Salada? No, we don't. We no, do not. Unfortunately. Get at I wish we did. Well, not, just, not all the <laughs> districts do that. Yeah, you know, I would yeah. literally wheel up a chair. <laughs> <I know. laughs> And, and that's where, you know, we come in and, uh, you know, we start seeing uh, sometimes the salad bar students, you know, you get to a certain grade level. Like I, I found out the middle school and elementary, you know, I mean, middle school and high school where the, the students are not really, uh, you know, entertaining the salad bar, you know. Uh, they like more individual. They like the built salad bars, really grab-and-go salads and uh, their, you know, sandwiches and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, we, we do introduce it in a, in a kindergarten to a fifth grade. Uh, but And we also have them in our middle schools, but they tend, it, it's not a favorite. It's the, you know, participation goes down on the salad bar side. Um, so, but we still we still have it available. But that is awesome that you can do that, introduce all those fresh fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. for students. Well, you know, you know we, we talked about this with an, another uh, uh, school uh, 
nutrition professional that we that will be um, launching that episode as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that occurred to me during that interview, and, and you just said something similar about starting with starting feeding the the kindergarten first graders, the young the elementary school kids, um, fresh fruits and vegetables, is I think maybe that's part of the reason that uh, millennials. Are, are so interested in fresh fruits and vegetables and 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 farm to market or you know sourcing local and they want to know where their food is coming from and and I think a lot of that is because you know that initiative began many years ago for fresh fruits and vegetables now obviously with Michelle Obama that took on a, oh, yeah. a different life you know and, and and but but still I think student nutrition programs are um, uh, you know, have, have a lot to do with the the interest that our current uh, that the younger generations have and and demand from restaurants. Oh yeah, I mean our, our I mean everybody's um, eating habits are changing, and we're always uh, healthy, conscientious about what we're eating, um, and so um, you know to be able to introduce that uh, not just only to students but also to our staff um, and how to properly prepare the food and also introduce them. To new uh, methods, uh, I know uh, when I was in Allen, um, you know, we have to also in- introduce uh, different uh, meat alternatives. Uh, so we were, you know, we started working with hummus. Um, so instead of buying it commercially already processed, you know, we started getting our number ten cans of chickpeas and making our own hummus sure. and creating our new flavors, you know, our, our flavor profiles. Uh, so again, you're you're introducing the chickpea, you know, because not a lot of people know that hummus comes from chickpeas, right? You know, if you're not familiar with it, also, you know, showing them what a robocoop is, and you know what t- tahiti is, and you know all this kind of stuff, uh, ingredients, and in, in how to mix it, and uh, what kind of flavors you're looking at, and you know, uh, so um, you know, hummus, quinoa, all these different uh, ingredients out there are beans introduced to the school lunch program which is different from you know tater tots and grilled cheese and chicken nuggets there's they're still there but you know we're also introducing uh, other different uh, food items how, how cool is that when you said quinoa and um, uh, making hummus and everything I mean some of those things are people that are things that even adults had haven't had exposure to until just recently and the fact that students from a young age, whether or not you like it or not, or maybe you don't like it now, but maybe as you get older you will, but just being able to be exposed to those types of things, I think that is amazing. I didn't even know what half that food even was uh, what, until I until I was old, much older. And I, so that, yeah. that's great. I, I mean, parents and students should be should be thrilled about, about the opportunity to explore um, the kind of food. That's great. Yeah, I, you know, I keep thinking about, because I'm just a little bit older than Justin by, by a couple of years, when I was in school, um, I, I'm not, I'm not even do the thing like movies were a nickel, like my parents used to do to me, but cookies, (laughs) yes, but cookies were like this big, I don't know how big is that, like, you know, six or seven inches around and this little wax paper thing. And there wasn't a limit on, on cookies or anything like that. And I assure you, I don't even think there was an apple or orange to be had in our, our nutrition program. Um, so we, to hear you say meat alternatives, I'm like, what? That's crazy. I mean, it's amazing. Now, um, 
do you think that Frisco ISD is kind of setting some trends and, and for other districts to, to look at? Well, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a, a networking uh, community, like being in North Texas, you know. Uh, and again, it's, there's no solo acts. You know, we work collectively with Allen, Plano ISD, Capel ISD, you know, different schools. And, and that's that's whole part of going to these, uh, you know, um, call it uh, food shows. And uh, so not only do we get introduced to different uh, or trendy uh, new foods or equipment, but we also get to see our colleagues out there, professionals, and we get to share ideas and, and collaborate. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're all in the same scope. We're feeding students. And, you know, I tell my team all the time, guys, it's not rocket science. You know, we're feeding students, you know, and and it's just, you know, keeping it simple and uh, and having fun. And because, I mean, believe me or not, a big smile on your face and serving students, it, it goes a long way um, in at the end of the day, you know, um, when we look at the food, uh, you know, the st- I feel that the students shouldn't have to worry how the food looks. You know, that's our job, you know, and they got enough peer pressure with everything going on in society today. You know, uh, they get that one hour, uh, you know, 30, 15, 20 minutes of lunch break and, and let them enjoy it, you know, and, uh, and our job is to serve, you know, good food. So there was a study done and I, I, um, I, I, don't, I don't know the resource, but there was a study done. And we talked about how do we bring the student to the, the cafeteria, you know, um, and why is participation decreasing? And a lot had to do with the, the middle school study that uh, when the students come in and they sit down and they start gathering up and they're having social time, right, that they don't want to get up and lose their spot. And so that brought a lot of, you know, you know a different perspective. So, you know, we're looking at introducing, you know, a kiosk, you know, in certain areas of the school so that students can come and grab and go. And, and they don't have to break away from, you know, uh, from, their, from, the, from their friends. Um, <clears throat> so that's one of the things that we've done that we've introduced this year and just kind of pilot the program in our middle schools and high school uh, where we bring the kiosk to the students and they don't have to go all the way down to the cafeteria and they can go and uh, spend. Uh, pick up their food and then go to the library or go to the um, called the athletic department when a lot of big group hangs out um, was today's uh, you know especially in high school uh, I know my son plays uh, he plays varsity football and then he's uh, you know the, the the athletic department is so separated from the uh, cafeteria so sometimes they can't make it on time to eat you know, so we're, you know, kind of looking at that as well, you know, bringing uh, kiosks out to the athletic department where students will, you know, populate and then provide that opportunity for them to grab uh, a meal there. And again, you're doing the, you're coming from a business standpoint, like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. you're not in it to make a profit. I, you know, y'all are funded differently than the rest of the, the district is. Y'all are, y'all, y'all are self-funded. And, and so you do need to, <laughs> you do need to have income to to expand the program the idea of bringing a kiosk to the athletic department or i know we have um, some districts that and you may have this as well have like kiosks or areas outside of the Mm -hmm. library Mm -hmm. uh, is just it's just proof positive that you're always Mm -hmm. innovating you're always innovating. well and then the other factory i mean uh, i we spent a little time at uh, uh disd and uh, one of the things we noticed that uh, for breakfast they have these kiosks right at the front door when the students come in. Yep. Uh, it's because you know, you know, there's 
uh, we have our challenges. You know, parents have, uh, we have dual parents working, you know, and they're, they're out there working. They got to be at work at a certain time. They don't have time to make breakfast in the morning. Uh, everybody wakes up late, you know. They're trying to run to school. Um, and, you know, they get to school and all of a sudden, you know, the, the cafeteria is, is, is closed. And, they're, I mean, they got five minutes to the bell rings, and they make it through the door. Well, you know, what we saw there, they, they have these kiosks there where they can just grab and go, and they grab their little smoothies with the muffin top, and, and, and that is a reimbursable meal. And, uh, and uh, what a way to, you know, be able to think outside the box and, and bring the food to the student rather than student come to the food, you know. So, I mean, again, that's just, again, benchmarking, networking, going out there and, and – uh, you know, communicating or working with your colleagues out there and, and seeing what they're doing different to maximize participation. Well, part of, part of this, well, the big main goal for Food Service for Thought is to connect the different areas of the industry, the different, the many, many, many different industries. So uh, parts of the industry, you know, wherever food is feeding the public, um, that's where manufacturers reps like us are and equipment manufacturers. And so th- the idea is to connect people. And I think that um, one of the things that people will learn from our discussion today is how much thought goes behind how to make sure these kids are getting a healthy meal and then also educating their family. And when, when you talked about smoothies and muffins, I think people ought to know that this isn't a smoothie king smoothie no this it's not. is this is this <laughs> is not a muffin filled with sugar exactly yeah it, yeah there's there's so so what 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 does that look like the, the smoothie and the muffin what's different between that and, and, a, and a retail product well it's our smoothies are you know um it's 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 100 uh fruit and vegetable mm-hmm. and also uh everything we serve um a la carte or in our meal has to be uh, smart snack compliant. So they go through a calculator to meet the nutritional value. And again, that's uh, where our, our nutrition team is uh, is focused on to making sure that everything we serve is in compliance uh, and it's also in smart snack compliance. Uh, so just, just so people understand, so uh, when you say in compliance, it's referring to within a certain calorie count, so much protein, so much fat, so much carbs, uh, so, uh, that kind of thing. And so much, so much sugar uh, that's involved. So uh, all of that has to be. So on top of everything that you've mentioned, all the wonderful things that you're doing, and then this grab and go thing like a smoothie, it also not only has to be innovative from that standpoint, but also has to meet guidelines, uh, restrictions, and requirements. Oh, exactly. And uh, you know, and and also we have to make sure that we're uh, handling foods food uh, safely. You know, that we have the proper holding cabinets, cold and hot. Uh, to transport this food and, and maintain it. Uh, so, you know, in our efforts, you know, we also have to work with our uh, equipment specialists and our maintenance team uh, to make sure that we have the proper equipment for uh, calling uh, storing food and transporting food and, uh, you know, have the right kiosks that's going to be marketable that are not just plain stainless steel kiosks. They're, they have to be, you know, maybe a uh, you know, get them with the school logos and, and make them decorative and, and uh, eye-appealing. Well, yeah, we, we, you know, I don't know if you know this, but we represent a, a line of uh, cafeteria equipment mm-hmm. uh, for Multi-Tier and Lakeside, and, and they both have, you know, any any number of customizable kiosks, 
and so so the 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 thing that we're really enjoying now is working with districts on the fun graphics that they'll come up with mm-hmm. to put on there and and including um, things that the art department might draw or the students might have a contest to draw because you're not only are they not only just play, they're not playing stainless you're also making that your school brand exactly you know um, and that's what we also try to we you know we go out there and solicit with the uh, call it from the art department and uh, you know from PTA or you know different groups out there uh, to get some ideas and maybe get the students involved and uh, we had um, brought some new uh, different types of foods and we had a, a population of students uh, in high school freshmen to seniors come through and actually try do a taste test and then give us their feedback. Um, and also, you know, get some ideas for what kind of graphics they would like, or what what would what would uh, improve, you know, the aesthetics of the cafeteria or the um, the ambience, or you yeah. know, something like that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're uh, almost ready to wrap up here. I had two questions that we sort of wanted to end with. Um, one of them was: so, since you're not directly uh, on the line every day and cooking every day the way that you used to be. What, if anything, do you miss about that part of your life, about being in the trenches with a coat on and going to town either at the saute station or with your knife? What do you miss about that that part of cooking? I, I think it's, uh, for the most part, just working side by side with the staff. Do you miss, do you miss being uh, a chef? Do you miss cooking? No, I still, I still do. I get involved with the board dinners. So I, oh, okay. I do I do board dinners and I do the desserts and we do uh, you know again as a team uh, I, I bring in my new ideas and, and, uh, and for the board dinners and, ca- and catering um, and of course I do it at home you know yep. I'm always entertaining so That's uh, so not too far away. Well, we'll be over this evening for dinner then. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you said you have three boys. I don't know how old are your boys. Uh, 19, uh, 17, and 13, and they're my biggest food critics. Yeah, I was going to say, Justin, I don't think we'll have – those guys are going to beat us to the finish. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get scraps if we're lucky. So, you know, I have a you – know, you know, I always like to end with this because, you know, I think that, you know, it's the studies have shown that, you know, the best way to um, interact or, you know, as icebreakers to sit down and eat collectively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things I do at home, and no matter how busy our week gets, is – to make sure that we were all sitting down at home with the TV off and, you know, just communicating, you know, and breaking bread, enjoying the time. And because I think families get so busy, so hectic that, you know, yeah. even if you go to your own restaurant or your favorite restaurant, it's not the same, you know. And so I do a lot of that at home. I do, you know, we sit down and, and we make some some outstanding grub and we, we enjoy it and we enjoy our time and, and we talk about what's going on in our daily lives. Well, with yeah. three boys, I don't. Yeah. I, I couldn't afford to go out to eat that much, yeah, right. you know. But yeah. uh, but do every chance you get. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. uh, so, what is your your guilty pleasure food? What is I mean? Oh man, I gotta say uh, brisket. You brisket, know. yeah, Stayford, man. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, I've been. Uh, I mean, I I got seven brothers, so I mean, we're big barbecue families and. Uh, cooking brisket, you know, smoking ribs, um, but uh, brisket is, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a, uh, it's my passion. I mean, I love to smoke a brisket. I love to sit down and eat it and do all different kind of things with it, you know. So, do your brothers? Do y'all have competitions? Do y'all, you know, are you? Uh, no, we could kind of critique each other, you know. But you know, other than that, you know, we all got our different styles and you know how we do things and how we present foods. Of course, I got that 
the edge on there. Yeah. I was going to say, you can just lay your bonafides on the table and walk away. <laughs> My brisket tastes pretty good, I think yeah. so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah we had the different techniques. But, uh, you know, I kind of learned a lot, you know, from my brothers, you know, my my mom was a single parent and raising seven brothers, oh and I have gosh. one sister, you know. Bless her. Bless so, her. Bless her. <laughs> uh, so I've come from a big family. My grandmother and grandfather had a um, total of 15 uh, kids, and uh, my grandfather originally came from Spain, and uh, so very family oriented. And uh, we grew out in a little town outside of Austin, Bastrop. Yeah. And so it's a big families, big families. And so a huge family. Um, and uh, I mean, always the biggest thing I ever remember being a kid is just sitting around the table enjoying uh, family time eating and um you know it's just different you know people look at me and say hey john so what is it uh papas and beans i said no my, my grandfather was a little bit different growing in a, in a, in a you know picking cotton mm-hmm. uh, back in the days so i would come to the house and there'd be collard greens and black eyed oh, peas yummy, yummy, and cornbread <laughs> and there was always a red soda you know, oh my gosh, yeah, big red, <laughs> big, big red. red. You know, my, my family's so, from Yoakum. Big oh, red, okay, yeah, yeah, big red with vanilla ice cream. Yeah, and if you haven't had that, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. yeah. Did you yeah. do that? Oh yeah. You, oh yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, one of my favorite restaurants is outside of Austin in Elgin. Yeah. And uh, there's a, a brisket a, a smokehouse there, and uh, they had uh, when I first walked in, I said, "Oh my God, they got big red," and there's nothing like barbecue and big red. It's true. And it's yeah. summertime, so it's, what what better way to do that? Yeah. We uh, Chris Waltman, our chef, uh, posted a blog on his on uh, our website. Check mm-hmm. it out. Um, uh, talking about brisket and the best way to Oh yeah, it. I saw that. I you did. did. I liked, did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah he, I, did. I, I love brisket. Yeah. I love brisket. Yeah. I, you know, I don't get the big barbecue craze as my I think that's a more of a guy thing maybe. Sorry. I don't know. That just seems to <laughs> I me. I mean, there is something about sitting down with a plate of meat. Yeah, but but brisket is just super yummy. Yeah, it's great. So I was at a store one day at the grocery store, and um, I was buying some some wood, you know, mesquite wood. And um, a young young lady was there, and she was getting ready. I said, she's kind of curious on what she was, her selection process. And I said, can I help you with anything? And then she goes, well, I'm trying to smoke a brisket. And at this point, it's like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) And, uh, and she goes, but... Uh, Are you eating at 6 in the morning? <laughs> well, that's why I, I asked her. I said, so, um, I mean, I said, how big is your brisket? You know, and she goes, what's well, like 18 pounds? I'm like, oh, wow. You know, wow. So, you know, I, I tend to stay 10 to 12, yeah, you know. And yeah. if I need two, I get two, you know. But the thing is, I asked her, well, so when, when do you guys plan to eat this? And she goes, well, about 6. <laughs> I said, uh, I'm sorry, man, but that's not it's not going to work for you because you can't cook a brisket, you know. In uh, it's not like cooking a steak or anything. Like that. That's just different. So I kind of broke it down. I think we we talked for about thirty minutes, and she goes, "Well, I might have to change my dinner plans." Yeah, yeah. You know, the, a lot of people don't understand the uh, the process of cooking a brisket, and it, for me, it's a twelve hour process. So, yes, yeah. You know, uh, so but I like to you know again you go out there and you know. Have the smokehouse going on, nice fresca on the side. Well, um, did you have anything? Uh, no, that that was it, John. We can't thank you enough uh, for being here with us today. This has been just delightful. It's been fun, and I, I we want to also thank you for your service. Oh, thank yes. you. So very welcome. Thank you, know, you thank very you. much. And, um, um, it, for me, it's um, it's it was it was quite an honor to serve in that capacity in the military. Made a lot of good friends, had a lot of experiences, a lot to talk about. And, uh, you know, for me, I, today, even today, you know, I proudly uh, display my flag on Veterans Day Memorial Day and, you know, Fourth of July. And, you know, I honor those who all served and sacrificed uh, 
their their lives in in, in, in uh, while serving. Uh, so I'm always appreciative of the opportunity and uh, the places it took me. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. All right, so thank you for listening to the Food Service for Thought podcast. We are the FH&W Media Team, and we will be back soon with a new episode. Have a great day. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Food Service for Thought podcast with Carrie and Justin. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And really, even if you didn't, we'd really love it if you leave a positive comment on iTunes. At the very least, please give us a thumbs up and be sure to check in for our next episode. Thanks again. Have a great day. Bye-bye.